And here we are for yet another yeah. episode of The Wrap. Oh, I didn't bring you. It's our 60th. Oh, you didn't bring me any. Was it diamonds? I think it was find di out diamonds. diamonds. Yes. I don't have diamonds in my wedding yeah, band. I've just got one of those silicone wedding bands. Yeah, that's not helps at all. Well, it's all right. <laughs> we'll shoot for 75. Shoot for 75. We are 60th episode yeah, 60th today. Episode. Crazy to me. And it's kind of a special day as well, too. Not only is it 60th rap episode, but I said this last time and referred to it, um, that today's rap is essentially the end of the Old Testament. Hmm. Yeah. Now, we're like I said, we're in July, we're going to be having Christmas in July, and we're going to be talking through the book of Isaiah yeah. uh, and his prophecies of the Messiah and, and all that good jazz. But as far as our Bible journey is concerned and kind of the curriculum we're using is concerned, uh, we've come to the end of the Old Testament. Yeah. Um, it has taken us six months, ride, wasn't it? six months <laughs> to get here uh, to this point. Uh, this is very interesting to I me. Mean, it'll take us six months to do that, but it's going to take us... Um, trying to think here, so August, September, October, four months, four months to get to the New Testament, and then we'll do our Christmas series. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it was a wild ride, has been a wild ride, yeah. and enjoyed every bit of it, and it's just been really great. I'm hopeful that our people here at New Heights have really grown uh, through this six months. Even just, even just seeing that, that connection between all those different accounts, yeah. I think it's huge. And especially, you know, I talked on Sunday about the fact that these last four stories that we've talked about, Daniel and Jonah and Esther and Nehemiah today, how all those stories really have a point of connection in them from one to the right. other, especially Daniel, Esther, Nehemiah yeah. is pretty yeah, uncanny. Not in seclusion. Which again, really emphasizes what we said from day one of this, that these are not isolated, random stories of people just doing their own thing, but it's God's story yeah. um, of redemption that's being woven through the history of the world, and um, particularly Bible history. And it just kind of was great to end in that way, that like, guys, yeah. see what's happening here? Yeah. You know, it's, it's very fantastic and very, uh, very, very neat uh, to catch that. And so today, like I said, we get to talk about Nehemiah, and sorry, I told you I was going to do this, but I got I have to tell the bad, this is a bad dad joke alert, <laughs> wah, wah, you need to put like a little warning uh, there before it. You know that Zacchaeus is not the shortest person in the Bible, you know, who is, <laughs> ready? Nehemiah, <laughs> but um, uh, rim shot, yeah, you dad. hear the collective uh, groan. Oh. Yeah, either a rim shot there or a groan <laughs> yeah. is what you need at that point. Um, but what a fascinating, fascinating guy, uh, a very inspiring guy in yeah, Nehemiah. Yeah. Um, a lot of leadership qualities you can see there too. There are, you know, and somebody said that when we were doing Bible study that uh, on Sunday morning, they said, I said, what do you really notice about Nehemiah? Um, and they said, he just has some fantastic leadership qualities. Yeah. I said, for sure, uh, we gained that. I think that probably most of the time people teach or preach Nehemiah, it's on leadership principles. Right. And there's certainly enough to go on there, but I think uh, it's at least not less than a leadership book, but I think it's way more than that. And so we really didn't emphasize much at all about the leadership aspect. Um, you know, because I think when you say something about leadership, automatically a large part of your audience just shuts it down and be like, yeah. well, I'm not a leader, so I don't need yeah. to listen to this. Uh, by the way, bonus aside, if everybody's a leader. Yeah, everybody. of something. 
of something and someone. Right. Someone's watching you. Someone's watching your movements and your and what you emulate and what you do in your life. You're a leader. Everybody's a leader. Yeah. Um, Maybe the better word would be influencer. Okay, there you go. All right. Everybody's an influencer. For sure, I would believe that too. But like I said, I think that this book is so much more than influence yeah. and leadership. I think we see in Nehemiah some really great qualities that um, we are called, I believe, in our life to, to emulate. Um, and the first one of those would be right off the bat, and it seems like a very obvious one, like, well, no doubt, right, we should do that. But like, Nehemiah was a prayer. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's where he started. Right off the bat in the book. So he's told, hey, Jerusalem is in a bad place, they're in a bad spot, their, their, their walls have been torn down, their gates have been burned. And it sits, well, actually, I would say before even prayer, or I would actually say along with prayer, one of the things we talked about on Sunday, right from the get-go, is Nehemiah cared. Yeah. So it says he sits down and he weeps. I'm not talking about sniffle, sniffle. <laughs> All right, on the next day, I'm talking, he says, days I mourned and fasted and wept. And yeah. prayed. And I think that's like, we, we would be tempted, I think, to overlook that for some of the bigger things in Nehemiah, some of the leadership things. Um, but it doesn't matter how many leadership qualities you have or how great your intrinsic ability is to lead. If you don't care, mm -hmm. it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. And like, what, how, how have you seen, uh, not, not, I'm not saying specifically your life, you, but just seen some examples of people who have the ability to be great leaders, but they just don't care. And what results from that? I mean, have you, have you? Yeah, I mean, if you've got a leader that's really charismatic, but they don't care, it, they may get a few people, to, but it never lasts. It's hollow, right? It's hollow. Yeah, there's, there's just no substance there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I think as and a I very... Think that's why you see a lot of the leaders fall so hard is because they're building that that kingdom, if you will, on a hollow... On air. On air, yeah. They don't really care about these people. And when the people get close to them and see that... Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah, I think it's... that's so. I mean, like I said, that is just such a key place to yeah. start. You've got... You have to have a passion for what God is calling you to. Yeah. Uh, now, that you don't have to have a passion for everything, but you do have, a passion, have to have a passion for what God is calling you to. Yeah. Um, and I think if you don't have that, like I said, you just fizzle out, you, do. you burn yeah. out, you know, there's so many insane pressures that come with what God calls people to. Yeah. But like I said, if we don't have some sort of substance or a foundation to it and passion, yeah. uh, and compassion and caring. You... Well, and I think we can even attach that to our overall calling of going make disciples, right? Like, if we don't truly care about people, if we don't care that they're going to hell, mm -hmm. we're not going to be effective in that. Yeah. You know, we've got to care. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, uh, you know, it's something, something that we talk about a lot around here, uh, an organization we're partnering with, Sun Life, way back when we had our mm -hmm. good buddy Joel on here with us. But they have a book for Charity Cycle that talks about this process. And they don't talk just about the mission of what we're called to do, um, they talk about the motive. Right. And that's, to me, that's just as important yeah. as when Jesus says, go and make disciples, <clears throat> go into all the nations, preaching, teaching, baptizing them, 
name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and, and teaching them to obey all the things I've commanded you. We, we've got that down. We have Matthew 28 down, like mentally, and not always practically, but mentally we've got that down. But I, I think sometimes we're missing a huge chunk because we're missing the heart. Yeah. Like, why are we doing this? Because we love people. Why do we love people? Because Christ loved us first. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's as simple as that. There's a lot. That well, you, you would, wouldn't you say it's, it's possible to do that stuff with their own motives? Uh, for sure. Why don't you just read a lot of the rest of the Old Testament and God says, <laughs> yeah. um, I'm really, in fact, I always feel like we do this. Like we seg and we like preview the next week. Uh, we're going to start talking about Isaiah. And mm -hmm. right off the bat in Isaiah, he says, I, I hate your worship. Mm. Oh. No, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What? The thing that you the have, thing that God wanted him to do. Called us to do is the thing that you're now. That he's, it's detestable. Detestable to him. Yeah. And you know why? Because they weren't, they weren't in it. It's empty. It was hollow. It was yeah. it had no substance to it, no heart to yeah. it. It was just all. And I always hate to do this, like separate head and heart. But I think a lot of times people are op operated by their for their head, their intellect, and, and things. Yeah, that they there's don't. no well, and there's no thought behind it. It's just autopilot. Yeah, this is robotic. Should we do this be why? Mechanical. Because we do. You know, just like, because that's what I've always done. This is what God wants me to do, and so, yeah, I, I do that. Um, and so, like I said, yeah, you can't just have a mission can't just be religious and go through motions. You have to have a heart behind it. And that's what God says. That's what I want. I don't care about all of your stuff and your sacrifices and you just parading in here with your songs and your incense. What I care about is that right there, yeah. the center of you. What's motivating you? Do you really love the people that you're called to reach? Do you really love me, more importantly? So that was a little bit of an aside, but I think it's a good connect as well to what we're talking about here of, of caring. Right. Got, you know, and I think the simple thing is, guess what? I'm not saying that every moment, every morning we magic wake up, we're like, you know what? <laughs> I just care about everything that God is calling me to. No. Some of the mornings were like, no. Yeah. Many more. Well, I'm sure Nehemiah had mornings like that, like, oh my gosh. Which Why leads us which leads us to the next part. Yes. We already kind of said this, and we had to back the card up a little bit, but like, Nehemiah was a prayer. Um, it starts right off the bat. I prayed. I prayed. And we understand by reading the story that probably for about a period of four or five months, and I believe it was every single day he was praying some sort of prayer that revolved around, Lord, be favorable to me mm -hmm. and give me an opportunity to speak up on behalf of my people. I also believe, though, that there was a part of Nehemiah that, like you said, you don't just magically wake up every morning and, like, I'm Nehemiah, and so I have to be all teary. And I, yeah. No, it's like, I think the simplest thing we can do, and it sounds so basic and elementary, is God, give me a heart. Mm. Soften my heart yeah. for your people, yeah. for your mission, and for you. I, you know, and like, like the, that's not a rocket science brain buster like, I've never thought of that before. We know that, yeah. but we just stop practicing Sometimes that. I think we're afraid to ask. Yeah, well, I think we're afraid to <laughs> ask. Because if we care, we got to do something. Yeah. I think I, I think that we're not only afraid to ask, but we're afraid to admit mm. that our hearts are becoming calloused, yeah, and they're becoming hard-hearted. Talked a little bit like of that, you know, as of the filming of this, we had Bible study last night, and we talked out of the Book of Amos, and we talked about that concept that happens in Amos, which isn't a mistake, by the way, because Amos and Isaiah are contemporaries, and they're both preaching not to two different kingdoms, right. but they're preaching the same message essentially. Um, and it's like, your hearts have become hard. You've walked away from God. And here's the thing, whenever we stop 
hearing the word of God, we stop heeding mm. the word yeah. of God. And then it, it happens very subtly and very slowly. It doesn't happen overnight, but eventually we understand how in the world does someone's heart become hard and calloused? It's a really long process, but it really all centers on not being obedient to God's word. Yeah. Um, and before you know it, you're just numb to everything. You're, you're cynical. Um, you're, you're less than loving. You're sour. Yeah. Um, you have no love for, for anything anymore. Uh, although this is how the way it usually works out. Um, I love God. I don't really so much like them. You know, those people you're like, and what, what does it say in John's first letter? If you say that you love God who you can't see, but you don't love the people that are right around oh, you that you can see ouch. and touch, yeah. liar is what it yeah. says. That's, that's the literal word, liar. Yeah. You can't, can't do that. Incompatible. Um, and so I think that, again, coming back to Nehemiah and his story of care, he cares, he does. He has a heart right from the very beginning. He prays in that, Lord, keep my heart soft, keep my heart flexible, keep my heart tuned to you. Uh, and then off of all of that, I'm praying for about four and a half, five months, every single day, an opportunity and a door opens. And what we've been talking about in this whole month, if you will, is that God has an uncanny way of timing things yes. out. Timing and planning to the to the T. To the T. I mean, almost sometimes that when it happens in our life, <laughs> it's just eerie and scary and makes the hair stand up on the back of our neck. And like our heart just stop for a minute. Yeah. We're like, oh. and, and I'm sure we've all had those moments. Oh yeah. We could probably <laughs> do a couple rap episodes just talking about, yeah. about those moments. But for Nehemiah, that happened to him. Right. As the king looks at him and he says, something's off about you. Which is not what you want to hear from the king of a foreign empire. Because generally, if you upset the balance within the throne room by your emotions and your attitude, you know what it meant? Death. Yeah. Off with your head. So the king looks at him and says, something's off with you. And I can tell it's, you're not sick. It's sadness of heart. And so Nehemiah, I believe that moment, it says he's terrified in that moment. Yeah. But he sees that as this is the open door that I've been praying for for months. Yeah. So well, that's a, 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 a sorry to stop you, but that's another thing that praying about the situation does, is it focuses you on watching for what God's going to do, right? Nehemiah probably would not have been looking for that opportunity had he not been praying, praying about that. for that opportunity, really asking, seeking yeah. God on that. Yeah, absolutely. So it's an open door, and Nehemiah says again in his fashion is he's a I. Through prayer up to God. Now, some people will say, well, like, he just is like throwing prayer. No, Nehemiah was soaked and saturated in prayer, but he also used these prayers of like, okay, God, now's the time. And so, long story short, and you can sit here and continue telling the story. You don't have time to do that. Go read <laughs> Nehemiah 1 and 2. That's really yeah. the whole point of this is that he, that he, what's fascinating to me is as he's praying, he's planning as well. Mm -hmm. Because he tells the king, here's the deal. I want to go back and I want to help my people. I want to rebuild Jerusalem. And this is A, B, C, D, E. Yeah, these are all, the steps. These are all yeah. the steps that I need yeah. to make this happen. And shockingly, the king says, granted. Now, I want to stop here at this moment. And we talked about God's timing and plan. I believe there's something in the story that we miss every single time until I read it again this last time. And I was like, I have never seen this before. And this is what I was talking about, how Esther connects with Nehemiah is. 
the king who is in charge and in power in Nehemiah's day is Artaxerxes, son of Xerxes, who is Xerxes' wife, the queen, Esther. I have no doubt in my mind that Nehemiah is where he is as a cupbearer, a very important position in the Persian Empire because of Queen Esther. And then it says a little later in the story that the queen was sitting beside um, Artaxerxes. Now that may have been his wife. Um, again, I said this on Sunday, history shows us and many stories believe that Artaxerxes, as were many foreign rulers who men are motivated by women. Yeah. Very influenced by women. Um, I think that he the was all you know. Men are the head and women are the neck, and they can turn him any way they want. Yep, to, right? yep. <laughs> I think he was a mama's boy. Yeah, yeah. Esther is Artaxerxes' stepmom. Yeah. And um, I believe that she has a lot to do with every step of why Nehemiah seems so successful and why he prospers. Um, and so the king says, "Yes, I'll give you permission to go back to your land." to do this. And as he goes back, um, it says he arrives in Jerusalem, and first he's, he's bullied, and I just said, I said, guys, guess what? Here, right, right, I'm just going to stop right here. Haters going to hate. Whenever you're doing something for God, haters going to hate. Yeah. He arrives in Jerusalem, he inspects all the damage, and this is pretty massive damage. These are pretty massive stones. This is a pretty massive project he's facing in a lot of different ways, not just physically, uh, but emotionally, uh, spiritually, uh, these people have been down this road before trying to rebuild the walls, and so they very well could have had the, well, Nehemiah, we've, we've tried that before, and it didn't work. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You've, we've never heard that in a church, right? Oh, never. 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 Oh, no. All. Everybody's so willing to... <laughs> to their credit, Nehemiah rallies them and says, we must rebuild the wall of Jerusalem in this yeah. disgrace and stop dragging God's name through the mud. And they say, yes, let's rebuild. Yeah. And that's really the end of kind of chapter two. Again, the bullies come back into the scene, and Nehemiah basically says, um, "Hey guys, by the way, just just butt out. You have no yeah. claim over this. You aren't you aren't from Jerusalem, and so let's yeah. you just stay out there. All right. Just it's a fascinating story. These ain't your walls. <laughs> Do what? These ain't your walls. These ain't your walls. Back up. I, but I just love it so much because of the, of the practicality of the story. Is like all of these things are things that I think that God is saying you need to emulate these things in, in your life. Yeah. Um, you need to be care, you need to pray, you need to ask. You know, ask for the things that are really bothering you um, and and see what I'll do. Yeah. You know, and so well, and, and I again just like with, with Esther, for him to step through that door that got opened was a risk to him. Yeah. You know, that, that, that whole idea of we've got to take that step of faith. Yeah. And not just cower back and, and let that opportunity that God's given us go to waste. Yeah. And what we see at kind of the end of the story, or as you continue to follow the story, um, 52 days, less than two months it takes him to rebuild the wall. And when I talk about the wall, I'm not like talking about like a little wall that you they, put They didn't put the privacy fence up around. No, 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 no. Two and a half miles <laughs> of wall that was several feet high and several feet thick, massive yeah. stones. They, I put it this way, they did in less than two months what they couldn't do in 94 years. That's pretty impressive. Way impressive. Yeah. And it's very interesting 
and kind of begin to end with this, is Nehemiah knows exactly why this is possible because he says it about three times throughout his first two chapters. It's because the gracious hand of God was on me. Yeah. And I just think about, like I said, the six-month journey we've been on in the Old Testament, and it just this, at almost every point it seems like God's plan is going to be shot down. It's going to wipe out. It's going to be, and, and every time God says, oh, no, 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 no. I've yet. already made preparations yeah. for this. I'm not done yet. Um, and it's very, it's very fascinating. Nehemiah is about 40 years before what is known as the intertestamental period. That's the point in your Bible if you would open it up and you go to the old, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, there's like a blank page in there, or yeah. maybe something says New Testament. That's 400 years yeah. of God being... Intertestamental. Intertestamental. That's quite the word. That's just your vocab word yeah. of the day. You know what that means, intertestamental? Between testaments. That's it. Yeah. It's nothing yeah. more than that. 400 years of silence until we show up. It's like, some people think like, oh, say, so I left Malachi, which again, Nehemiah is pretty contemporary with Malachi. We're like, just like I said, about four, 30, 40 years before uh, like God goes silent. We think that like it ends, that Old Testament ends and then Jesus just magically shows up. No, there's 400 years of nothing. Complete and utter silence as far as revelation from God. And then the greatest revelation ever shows up in Jesus. And so we're going to talk about that coming up in this month. We're not going to jump in the New Testament. We're going to look at Isaiah, which is, to me, all about that plan. It's kind of a connector between the It two. is a connector because yeah. we talk about perfect timing and a plan. And our theme for this upcoming month is the promise and the plan. Yeah. And it all centers on Jesus. And more than any other Old Testament book, Isaiah really hones in on that Messiah element. Yeah to prepare us for the New Testament. So looking forward to that. Hope you're looking forward to it as well. But like I said, I'll leave you um, kind of with just this concept that um, when it doesn't seem like anyone's in control, God is always mm, in control. Yes. He has a perfect plan. A good reminder. He has perfect timing in everything that he does, uh, and his plan will always succeed. And it's a great reminder in our day and age that we need to constantly hear, I feel like, every single day. I feel like we've said that like every yeah. week, like God's in control. God's in control. Guess I think that's just a time, like you said, it's a timely reminder right now of, you know, no matter what's going on. Yeah. He's in control. He's in control. He is in his perfect time and his perfect plan to do exactly what he says he's going to do. And so we hope uh, that not only today, but if you've missed previous rap episodes, just go back and watch them and journey with us right back through the Old Testament. We hope for those of you who have been tuning in for the last six months, I uh, have really kind of seen how all this comes together, fits together, um, and it, it encouraged your faith uh, in so many ways. And so uh, until we come back for episode 61, 61. Uh, we'll see you and have a great, great, day, week, weekend, whenever you're watching this. We'll see you next time. See you guys.